Galatians chapter 4, and then we'll read verse 8 through 9. Verses 8 through 9. The Bible says, Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, here's something important. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. The church of Galatia had a problem with wrong doctrine and also the old things of their flesh that they freed themselves from, but they now fell back into bondage too. And Paul, he was rebuking the church of Galatia. You know, you are doing very well and you are doing very faithfully. However, what caused you to lose your status of faithfulness, to slow down, to backslide, and to fall apart? So that's the sad thing is that nowadays, similar to the church of Galatia, many Christians today have lacked and slipped up in their faithfulness. They have not been consistent. They have not been strong. They have not been faithful to the things of the Lord. They decided to quit. They've decided to stop. They've decided to backslide. This pastor here, there were so many times I want to quit and stop, whether it was online or over here, because I can't just put up too much liberal garbage anymore. However, this is where God called me to be, and I cannot quit, and I must stay strong and faithful. And the funny thing is, is that there are people who criticize me for standing faithful to the work of the Lord. But I cannot care what people think or say, and I have to stay faithful to God's work because I have to give an account to my God, not to you who make fun of me. So in Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9, I think that's our problem as Christians is that we forget who we're accountable to. You're accountable to God. And that's the reason why if you backslid, that's the reason why you slow down in your duty. That's why you lack faithfulness. As a church, I don't want us to feel like that we're going slow or you're going slow. I want us to stay consistent and faithful to the work of the Lord. Whenever we have a fellowship that's open, come. Whenever there's a church service that's open, come. And I mean every church service, come. We have people who drive over an hour or almost an hour to come to our church. So, I mean, that is faithfulness. We need to keep that consistency, no matter how many trials or hardships or things may hinder in our path. A lot of you know that your pastor here, he's caught up with a huge amount of workload and busyness. However, I cannot slow down in my faithfulness. I maintain it. I maintain as much as I can for the Lord. But there are times that the fleshly nature rises up and the things that happen within our world or trials and attacks from the wicked one slow us down and make us become weak. We live in a day and a generation where whether you believe it or not, they are sensitive-minded people. We live in a day and age of sensitivity where people have to be careful with what they say and how they behave toward other people because you just might unconsciously offend them and give them slavery trauma in some weird way or form and you have to make reparation for that. We live in a day and age when a preacher preaches from the word of God that the people automatically get offended and walk out. You know, that's the day and age we live in. We have to be honest. We live in a day and age where we're very weak 
that we can't take hard preaching. You know, when God preaches to you, don't you dare make him water down the convicting sermon that he's trying to reach you with. Don't water it down. Don't be weak to it. Take it. Take the hit because it's good for you. As God said, as many as I love, I what? Rebuke and chasten. He does it for your good. But we live in a day and time of weaklings. And I hope that we can figure out why we live our lives as a bunch of weaklings and how we can overcome it. I hope that you can realize the issue of why you lack faithfulness and why you might be a weakling. But in some areas, the Lord can find some ways for you to discover yourself better and to overcome. The title of my message today is Pitiful Bunch of Weaklings. Let's pray. God, my Father, help me to preach the sermon you want me to preach. And I pray that these people, that they will not take it with offense, but take it with sincerity. Speak to these people. You know that my heart is for each and every one of these people here, newcomer and to longtime members. I pray that even the onliners as well, that they will hear something from your word and their lives will change. To give you greater honor and glory in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So as you know from the title, it already, it already offended you. Okay. So the first point is who do you worship? Who do you worship? If we look at the text here, at verse 8 through 9, the church of Galatia, they realize that their worship is aimed at verse 8 toward God, not by the false gods. But something, something caused them to lose their focus in the one true God, and they've returned to verse 9, the weak and beggarly elements of the world. I mean, they've given up on their past gods. They've given up on their past ways. Why do they return to it? And I think that's the reason why, just like the church of Galatia, you lack faithfulness. Something caused you to lack faithfulness, and that is you lost your focus of your worship. And you got to realize the reason why you came to church today is not because how you feel or when opportunity was open for you. It's because you did it for God. You did not come here for me. You did not come here to please the people. And guess what? You know, we could sure use your help. But to be honest, God don't need your help here. The pastor don't need your help. The people here don't need your help. Even though we feel like that, I want all the help I can get. But the core matter is not that we need your help or not. It's a matter of God. It's a matter of God. And I think we lost our focus on that one. Why is it that you would drive long hours and be so tired and to come here to church? It's because of God. Why is it that you sacrifice time from your busy schedule and drag yourself to the, to the work of the Lord and try to get involved in soul winning? It's because of God. Why is it that you stand out unashamed on the streets even though you feel like that you don't want to preach the gospel out on the street because your flesh feels down or tired or you feel ashamed or embarrassed in front of the eyes of the people? You're doing it because of God. Why is it that you get involved in soul winning class or write notes in Bible study? Is it because that you want to become smarter or there's something beneficial? I mean, there are some people who don't even write notes because they feel like that they can, uh, that it's fine, that they'll retain the knowledge. You're doing all of this because of God. 
And if we always think about God, it would motivate us to write the notes. It would motivate us to come to church. It would motivate us to get involved in soul win. It would motivate us to sacrifice the things that we do to focus on God. In Romans chapter 6, verse 19 through 22, it says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. I mean, the verse points out that before you got saved... As much as you yielded your flesh into sin, it, you were so faithful and deep from sin even into deeper sin. But God says it's the same thing. If you're faithful to the spiritual nature working within you and you yield to the Holy Spirit, it goes from holiness deeper into holiness. The faithfulness builds up on both sides. The point is, is you've been so faithful to the devil in your previous life. Or maybe even now, God forbid, and the way that you're working in your flesh. I mean, why are you so easily, so faithfully serving the devil just to gain misery and hurt in the end? Is anger really that much worth it? Is bitterness that much really worth it? Is division really that much worth it? Is envy really that much worth it? Is lust really that much worth it? Is pride really that much worth it? Is discouragement really that much worth it? Is tiredness really that much worth it? That's your fruit of yielding to the flesh. And you're faithful just to get, get those at the end? Why are you so faithful to get depression at the end? Why are you so faithful to get discouragement at the end? Why are you so faithful to get bitterness at the end? Why are you so faithful to get uh, lust at the end? Why are you so faithful to get pride at the end? Why are you so faithful to get lying at the end? Why are you so faithful to get miserable consequences of your sin? I don't understand why you're so faithful to those things. And you can't be faithful to the things of the Lord that gives you encouragement at the end. You can't be faithful to the things that gives you joy at the end. You can't be faithful to the things that gives you peace at the end. You can't be faithful to the things that gives you blessing at the end. You can't be faithful to the things that gives you gold and silver and precious stones at the end. You can't be faithful to the things that gives you five crowns in heaven at the end. You can't be faithful to the things where God just says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You can't be faithful to those things, but you're so faithful to the things where it makes the devil proud. It makes you feel guilty. It makes you feel miserable. Do you realize who you're worshiping here? There is one thing I've learned is there is no excuse to be faithful to the Lord to gain peace and joy and happiness in the end if we've always found time and made zero excuses to serve the devil faithfully in our flesh. Turn to Genesis chapter 25, please. Genesis chapter 25. We're going to return to Galatians 4, very likely, but go to Genesis chapter 25, please. Now, Esau, 
he was starving to death, or he thought that he was going to die when he wasn't going to die. But he wanted food to eat, and Jacob, he offered him basically a bowl of chili, but he bargained with him for his birthright. Now, his birthright, that's something very valuable, and that's not something you throw away for a bowl of chili. That's one of the most incredible dumb things to do. But Esau did. Isn't that amazing? Let's look at Genesis chapter 25, verse 30. Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Verse 31, Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Verse 32, Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Now, isn't that the most, one of the most dumb things you can ever say? Verse 33, and Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. You know, if there's one thing that you would never do is give up your entire birthright or your inheritance or what you own or all of God's blessing for just one bowl of chili. That's one of the dumbest things that you can ever do. But, you know, it's understandable why Esau's nature is very similar to us. You're following a similar pattern to him. You make the incredible dumb mistake of sacrificing your eternal inheritance for a bowl of chili. You might say, how so? The bowl of chili is something that's a temporary pleasure. That's the point. That's why we know how incredibly stupid it was for Esau to give up his lifetime inheritance. Why? Because you're just going to eat a bowl of chili and you're done and that's it. And you give up all the things that we're talking about your whole lifetime here, Esau. But see, that's what you're thinking. You're thinking about the temporary things of this world. And just that one time of yielding to sin, one time of yielding to the flesh, and that one bowl of chili that is only temporary... You sacrifice your eternal inheritance. You sacrifice God's plan where he's trying to bless your life through the trial, through overcoming the tribulation. But because you failed to do that, the Lord does not give you the blessing. You know why? You overthrow it for a bowl of chili. I just want one moment of rest. One moment to be fed. Just one moment to feel good. I just want to be free from this. And that's an Esau mentality. That's an Esau mentality. And that's the reason why you're not faithful to your Bible reading, to your prayer, to coming to church, to soul winning, to avoid sin. You know why? That one moment of eating that bowl of chili. You know what you're doing right now, a lot of you, when you skip your Bible reading and prayer? You're right now eating your chili. You know what you're doing right now when you don't come to church and serve God? You're delving yourself into the bowl of chili. You know what's really sad? 90% of Christians, and God forbid people in our church, are right now eating the bowl of chili as I'm speaking. That's the reason why we lack in our faithfulness. You know, it's amazing that 
at the very moment you're determined to serve the Lord, the devil still gets you not to commit the work for the Lord, right? You ever been in those cases? Like as soon as you repent, you get right with God and then you start your day and you're about to do your Bible reading and prayer. You're about to get dressed to go to church. You're about to uh, have the courage to take out the track and give to the person. All of a sudden, the devil in you stops you. And he stops you with two ways. One way is, it's just one more time to skip, the, skip that part or to sin. It's just one more time. Don't worry too much about it. Your mentality is always like, it's just today. I just need today. I just need one. It's just one more time. But you know what God says? One more sin will lead you to commit more sins. So remember that one time you skip, get ready to dig a bigger hole of five more weeks of skipping. And then it's going to be so hard to come back. Am I speaking to you? Here's another reason why we lack faithfulness. At the very verge and the moment we're about to do something for the Lord, the devil causes us to lose faithfulness by saying, you know, it's just only one more time that you're doing it for the Lord. And you know that you're going to skip the next day. And you know you're going to sin the next day, so why bother? I mean, why bother doing that thing? It's just one time. That you're giving a soul a track. It's not something like you led a soul to salvation or you passed out hundreds of tracks and you know that you're not going to pass out even more after that. You might make yourself wake up and read your Bible and pray today, but guess what? I don't think so tomorrow. That's what the devil does, doesn't he? So don't do it. Why bother? But you know what God says? Just serving me one more time is sure better than none. You know, you need to encourage yourself that you can't just have a doom and gloom outlook about your future and say, you know, I know I'm going to mess up in this and this and this. Look, don't think about the future. Why not now? Why not this one time today? Just make God happy. Make yourself happy. Make your spiritual nature feel like it accomplished something. Motivate yourself. Encourage yourself back into staying faithful for the Lord. And if you maintain that mentality every single day, guess what? The faithfulness and the consistency will remain. Or there will be improvements even though you fall. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but when I was giving like the statements between God and the devil, did you notice that the devil, when he gave his statements, it's a backwards way of saying what God would say? Did you catch that? The devil's job is always to do things backwards. A lot of times you don't realize that you have a backwards distorted way of thinking and behavior. And if you were to switch it the other way around, maybe you would encourage yourself to remain faithful to the work of the Lord. I mean, what did God say? God says that thou shalt surely die. Satan makes it backwards. Ye shall not surely die. Satanists, they've been infamously famous for chanting the name of Jesus backwards. That's what Satan worshipers do. 
And then demon-possessed people, they've been caught and been known to speak backwards in prayer to God. It's really strange and it's very wicked, but that's a satanic tendency is to make things go backwards. And then when you fall into the temptation from the wicked one, sometimes you have to ask yourself, is Satan making something backwards to me? So what you need to do is switch it around. If you keep the distorted backwards thinking that, oh, I'm going to slip up, I'm going to mess up, it's only one tie, and guess what, it's not a big deal, and, you know, I'm just too weak, I can't do it, switch it around then. That's a backwards thinking. So if you did backwards of this backwards thing, so switch these thoughts backwards in a good way, by saying, oh, I'm not capable of doing this for the Lord too. I am capable to do this for the Lord. I'm too busy. I can't do this. I am not busy. I can do this. Oh, I'm uh, just too tired to pray. No, I have strength to pray. Oh, I'm going to fall apart and this trial is too much for me. No, God has given me a grace to bear through the trial. You know, that the thing is you don't realize all of you are basically doing some kind of, uh, this might be extreme to say, so just... Cut me some slack here. But basically, in your mind, it's giving a backward satanic chant. All the time you yield to temptation and sin. You're just giving backward satanic chants like, I can't do this, and I'm going to mess up. I'm going to sin. Not a big deal. I can't do much for the Lord. Hey, man, is the devil leading you to chant and say those words and thoughts? You don't realize that your Christian life is a backwards Christian life. No wonder we call you backslider. So make those thoughts, make those backwards thoughts backwards, okay? You follow my, you follow my logic here? So switch it all the time. That's the thing. Make it backwards now. Switch it around. See what happens. Because if you don't switch it around, that's why you lose the motivation to do the faithful duty for the Lord. My second point is, what do you want? What do you want? So my first point was, who do you worship? My second point is, what do you want? Realizing now that lack of faithfulness is losing your worship of God, but rather giving glory and worship to the devil, to the flesh, and to the world. Now we have to realize what causes the lack of faithfulness is seeing your heart's desire. What do you truly want? You know, Psalms chapter 119 verse 143 said, Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. You know, the psalmist pointed out that even though hard times are uh, taking control over him, because he has such a strong delight for God's commandments, he's not going to let these troubling situations cause him to lose faithfulness to the Lord. And that's the point is that what keeps faithfulness going is desire. You know, what was extremely difficult for me, some of you know how like bombarded I am in my schedule with some things. But what kept me going into doing the work is checking my heart's desire. You know, when I uh, take care of a problem in church, I check my heart. Do I love the people? I love them, so I want to help them out. And that helps me to do it. Uh, preaching and teaching is just too much work and it's just too tiring to come up the next day. I have to check my heart's desire. 
I am given the privilege and honor to preach God's word. And ain't that book such an interesting book? You know, when I don't want to come to street preaching and visitation, and sometimes it feels that way, I check my heart's desire. Like, you don't get every day a chance. You only get one hour throughout this whole time. You only get one hour to tell a soul, to rescue a soul from the burning flames of hell. You know, you got to check your heart's desire. Don't you long to see God speak to you, hear him speak to you, and just open up that book? Don't you long to give your heart to the Lord and have him hear you? And that's why you pray. Do you check your heart's desire? And that will cause you to be faithful. Don't you want to fellowship with the brethren, your brothers and sisters in Christ? And that's why you would drag yourself and sacrifice time to just spend time with the brother and sister? I don't care if their personalities are different from mine or the age and culture is way different from mine. One thing I've learned is if my heart's desire is in the fellowship with the people, it becomes a great fellowship. And a lot of you notice that. Some of you have said, man, this is a great church. We got great people. You know why? It doesn't come out with just being a handout of good people. We have to create that atmosphere by checking our own hearts. And it becomes a great place to fellowship. You know, one thing I realized about why faithfulness becomes such a hassle to us is because of time. Time can be one of the most powerful elements, all right? The time, the sands of time are sinking. As you might know, time marches on. Some of you know what I mean. And that becomes a very powerful weapon. And when we keep serving God as time passes on, guess what? The service to the Lord becomes dull. And it becomes tiring. Why? We've taken it as a routine now. We've taken it as a duty now. And it becomes the same usual thing over and over again. And that's the reason why you slacked off in your Bible reading, your prayer. Because when you give it enough time, and Satan is a very patient creature, much more patient than you. And he'll wait it out if you can't wait it out. He'll wait it out when your weakness is revealed. When there's a certain part you're sensitive and you get easily offended by. And he'll find those areas. And then he'll wait and wait and wait on you. And then once he finds it, then he'll attack it. And then, Why? Because all he needs is time. And once he has time as his asset, he'll attack you in that area. And then your faithfulness, your service to God starts to slide off a bit. And skip one or two, and then you yield to one or two more sins, and then the devil gets you. Ruth chapter 2 verse 12 says, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. That statement is so true. Is If we would recall that every single second I'm doing this for God, and God will reward me for every single second that I do something for him, then that would keep you in your faithfulness. Do you realize that one time you skip on the Lord, that one time you yield into sin? Why is that? Because there's no desire there. But if your desire was this one time, it could be that the Lord's big blessing will fall on me. This one time is where the Lord's plan can start mightily working in me. This one time, God can secure the spiritual nature to be able to more easily move within me and work within me. 
This one time could be that time where I lead that soul to salvation. This one time to church could be that moment where I'll hear a sermon and teaching that will change my life. This one time where I'm able to read the Bible and pray could be something where the Lord meets me and talks to me. And even if it's not, if it's the same old, same old day, dull, in and out, remember this, every second the Lord has to pay you back up in heaven. He has to pay you back in heaven. And wouldn't that motivate you to not even skip one or to lose even one amount of faithful service to the Lord? What keeps up the faithfulness is, God, I'm doing this for you. And you're going to pay me back for this. Why do I reject the reward for a bowl of pottage, Father, in this one second that you've given to me? Time is so precious, and every second counts. But Satan, he has all the time in the world, and he's just waiting. Don't let time get a hold on you. Take advantage of time by realizing every second counts, and it's that important and sacred. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 17 says, And I gave my heart to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. And that's the point is, if you looked at all the desires in your life, and you look back because of your lack of faithfulness to the Lord, are you really content? No, aren't you? You're miserable. You're vexed. And you're sad. Aren't you sick and tired of all the uneasiness you're going through in your life? Aren't you? Then be determined to say, this time I'm not going to make you devil take advantage of me anymore. I'm going to do that spiritual thing for the Lord no matter what. Renew your desire. Stir up the desire in your heart. How? How so? Look at how sick and tired you are with the sin and the lack of faithfulness in your life. And that will motivate you. That will give you a desire to kick your flesh and say, you know, you're just a weakling. Drag yourself to church. You're just a weakling. Read the Bible and pray. You're just a weakling. Put that bottle down. Put that cigarette down. Put that image down. Come on, you weakling. You need to check your desire again. And what will renew your desire and passion and a strong emotion to faithfully serve the Lord is to look at how sick it, aren't you sick and tired? If you're sick and tired of all the weeks that you skip Bible reading and prayer, I mean, that should, that should motivate you to, I'm going to read it tomorrow first thing. If you're sick and tired, what your sin is doing to you personally, you should go, man, you know what? Enough is enough. Put this away and no more sin. That renews your desire is to realize how sick and tired you are of your sin. Some of you might go, oh, I know, pastor, you're right. And no, no, you really don't know how sick and tired you are. You think that you're sick and tired, but I guess enough is not enough to you. You need to convince yourself how miserable you are in that sin. You need to convince yourself how detrimental and how dangerous and how destructive that sin is to you. That fleshly thing is to you. And if you were to convince yourself, then you'd be sick and tired, so sick to your stomach that you wouldn't want to do it again. My last point is why do you waste? Why do you waste? Please turn to 2 Kings 21, please. 
2 Kings chapter 21. We're going to turn to 2 Kings chapter 21 and then we'll read verse 3. Verse 3. Now notice that this is an extremely hard sermon because what I'm trying to aim at is trying to aim at, look, why can't I serve the Lord? Why is it so hard and why do I mess up in my life? And it's to kind of give that air and impression that, hey, the reason why you're thinking like that is there's something you're weak to. So I'm trying to snap it out of you and basically spiritually beat it out of your life where you can basically get your stir yourself up and be faithful to the Lord and get out of your weak state. We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 21 and verse 3, verse 3. You might say, why is that? Because the sermon did help me. This sermon, actually, for some of you who don't know, this is an old sermon. It was an old sermon during my hardship and struggle. It was when my church dropped to two people. It was at a time when I was very busy and I wanted to quit and give up. And the Lord put this sermon in my heart. And, that was, and that's what kept me going, to be faithful. So this sermon... Is for you now, for those of you who are about to throw in the towel, those of you who are tired, those of you who are sad and discouraged. Second Kings chapter 21 and verse 3. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he reared up altars for Baal, and made a grove as did Ahab king of Israel, and worshipped all the host of heaven. And served them. So notice that Manasseh built up altars for Baal. He made a grove. And he worshipped all sorts of stars and names in the host of heaven. And then look at verse 5 and 6. He built altars for all the host of heaven. So he had to build every single altar for every host of heaven. In the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his son pass through the fire. He even sacrificed his own son. And observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Now notice how many sins he was committing. And then verse 9. But they hearkened not and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. Now that's amazing. The king even made the children of Israel to sin even more than all the other pagan lost nations. You might say, wow, can a saved person be capable of doing that? Absolutely. That's the reason why you have to stay faithful. If you don't stay faithful, a little inch to sin will, give you, will lead you down to a dark hole. But I find it very interesting here that King Manasseh was willing to waste everything in his money and time to build up every single altar for every single host of heaven. So that's a lot of work. He had to climb up a hill to basically worship his gods compared to walking on a flat land when you go to the temple for the Jews. So that's much hard. That's much more hard. And then he has to seduce his people into sin. And he, all, and he also sacrifices his own children, which God never demanded at all. Now, you would think that if you were to compare the things that Manasseh did, those things are much more hard. They're harder compared to the things that God wants him to do. 
But it's so amazing Manasseh is so faithful to the things that are harder in his life that are evil compared to the things that should be much more simple for the things of the Lord. What's my point? My point is a lot of you don't realize that. A lot of you don't realize that you are living a complicated life. And if you don't believe me, you should know by now with your lack of faithfulness to the Lord. You know you're living a complicated life and you're not happy. There's always turmoil. There's always depression and hurt going on within your very soul. And it's even affecting other people around you, perhaps. What a complicated life. Are you really content? Is sin really that much worth it to you? Is between God and the devil serving two masters, is that really that much easy for you? I'll serve God in my own time and then I'll serve the devil uh, and the flesh and the world on the side as well. You really content? You really happy? You should know by now how hard your life has been. And it has not been easy. And it's amazing how much you waste and throw away. You are throwing away your whole life for something so complicated. Amazing. God made it simple. Just believe in me. Just pray to me. In the trial... Just let me repeat again, child, to make it simple for you. But it's so hard and difficult in this trial and temptation. Believe in me and pray to me. Wow. Wow. God likes to keep things simple. He doesn't want it hard. But we make it so hard. We have to complicate things in our life and make a tired system and go, Oh, I'll do this and I'll do that. And, la, la, la. and God's like... I didn't ask you to do that. All I want you to do is just pray to me. Just read my word. And be with the brethren as much as you can. And then what's going to happen naturally through the Holy Spirit, you'll naturally do more things for me. You're making it look so hard when it's not. You know, if some of you are living a complicated life right now, Remember this, don't blame God for the trials and the complications in your life. It's your decisions, your choices. No matter how hard or difficult the trial or life may be, God's goal is to overlook all that complex, uh, all those complex things and focus on the simplicity. Just look at my son. Just keep looking unto Jesus. There's a fire. There's a huge wave coming. The thunder and the lightning's roaring and my money's running out. People aren't listening to me. And my heart is in so much pain and there's, uh, I put so much money in psychological treatments and God's like, just look at all these complicated things. Just look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. Matthew chapter 7 verse 20 says, Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. And I think you will realize how much you wasted your life. And if you, uh, you know, uh, you, a lot of you already wasted your childhood years. A lot of you already wasted your teenage years. Or you're reaching the end of your teenage years. And you wasted it for, for the flesh, the world, and sin, not for the Lord. A lot of you have wasted your young adult lives. A lot of you have uh, wasted your early marriage years. A lot of you, well, oh, I don't want to say a lot of you, but some of you, as we get fewer and fewer in number, as we reach older and older age, ages and years, 
Some of you have wasted your mid-years now, the middle of your life, and God forbid, some of you elderly people have wasted almost all your lives now. If you look back at your fruits, how much you accomplished for the Lord compared to how much you accomplished for the flesh, the world, and the devil, do you now realize how much you wasted your life? I want to thank God. There were a lot of things I wasted in my life. I'll tell you that much. But I thank God that I at least tried to do something in my teenage years. That's why I could say that I didn't really waste my teenage years or even my young years. I mean, I'm still very young, and the Lord blessed me with so much fruit. You know why? I can't waste my years. Neither can you. It was a stormy night in Birmingham, Birmingham, England, and Hudson Taylor was invited to speak at a meeting at the Severn Street schoolroom. His hostess assured him that, look, no one's going to come on such a stormy night, so don't come to this service. But Hudson Taylor insisted, I must go even if there is no one but the doorkeeper. He didn't care if it was dropped to only two people in church or one. In the meeting, there were less than 12 people who showed up. But it was that particular meeting that the Lord moved with unusual spiritual power. And what happened at the end is that half of those who came in that room that day either became missionaries or their own children became missionaries. The remaining people became faithful supporters of the China Inland Mission, which lasted for many years to come. I mean, those communists, before they took over, you know what was the fruit and the work? Hudson Taylor, his China Inland Mission. Why? He didn't care how small his work was. He said, I'm going to be faithful no matter what. And what we need to do is this, is that we need to realize that our ministry is not going to be in vain. No matter how petty or hard or how small life is, you need to be faithful to the Lord. God wants you to be faithful in every unnecessary second that you think is not a big deal. He wants to see your faithfulness. And when you do that, you got to realize that if you fail to do that one meeting like Hudson Taylor did, and you lose faith in that one thing, it could be that then your work and your ministry be in vain. What makes, your worth and, uh, what makes your work and your whole life in vain is see at those one single moments that you thought was not a big deal that you didn't have to be faithful on. I challenge you today to be faithful to this one altar call opportunity. Every head bow and every eye shut, the altar call is open. Please feel free to pray in your seats or to come forward here on the altar's floor, however way the Lord leads your heart. I invite you today to be faithful to one thing for the Lord. Faithful to the little things. We give you this time to check your hearts and see which areas you weren't faithful to the Lord. The weak areas. And you need to be faithful. Little things. Simple things. But it can become great big things used by a great big father. We want to make sure every single person in this room is saved. We don't want you to leave this place going to hell.
Answer this question honestly. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you would go to heaven? Some of you might say, Pastor, I'm not 100% sure. Three easy steps to get saved. First, you got to realize you can't go to heaven because you've sinned. And that you will burn in hell because of your sin. You might say, well, Pastor, that's a no-brainer. I don't want to burn in hell for my sin. Good. Then the second point. Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected. You know that story a thousand times, but you don't know the real meaning behind it. That's your problem. Do you know why Jesus did all that for you? Because of step number one, remember, you go to hell because of sin, right? The only thing that can wash away your sin is the blood of Jesus. That's why Jesus died, buried, and resurrected. Oh, wait a minute, then if Jesus washed away all my sin, then I don't have to take care of the sin myself, right? Yeah, you're right. See, that's the problem with people. People think that unless I become a better Christian, I go to church, I love Jesus, I clean up this sin and that sin, then I'll be good enough to go to heaven. You're relying on your work rather than the work of Jesus Christ, of what he did on the cross. You don't really understand the story, that means, of Jesus died, buried, and resurrected. You might say, well, now I understand, preacher. Now I really believe this time. If you do, then step number three is to just simply say that to God. Step number three, just say to God, God, I truly believe that what you did on the cross is what saved me from my sins, from hell. I'm not going to think about doing this or doing that to get saved, just what you did on Calvary. It's that easy. You might say, well, I don't know how to say it to God. Could you help me out? Sure, I can give you the words on how to say it. You can repeat after me, and you can say it in this way. And don't worry, just say it silently to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud. Dear God, I repent as a sinner. I believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected to save me. So I'm only believing in that alone to save me, not my good works. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes one last time, please. This is respect of uh, people's privacy. If any of you have just repeated the prayer after me, could you slip up your hand real briefly, real quick? I'm not going to point out who you are with every head bowed and every eye shut. Could you slip up your hand real briefly, real quick, so I can know if someone just got saved today? We want you to be in heaven. It's a wonderful thing to be saved. All right. Thank you so much for your honesty. I'll take it for granted. Everyone is saved in this place. Let's close. God, my Father, thank you so much for salvation through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you so much for the preaching of your word. Help us to be found faithful to you so that we can hear those wonderful words. Lord, all I want in life is just to make you happy, make you proud. More than the gold and silver, I want to hear you say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <laughs>